I want you to do me a favor. Yeah, sure. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. What? Let it out. I want you to hit me. Trust me. Come on. Come on. Stop trying to hit me and hit me. Hit me, baby, one more time. And now, our feature presentation. Welcome to Hit Me One More Time, the Nostalgia Reflection podcast that looks at the things that we loved when we were younger and asks the question, is this good? Now, I'm the oldest Hit Me One More Time brother, David Luzader, and of course, there's the other Hit Me One More Time brother, Nick Shermooksness. Nick, hello. I'm zany. Now, Nick, you have to do the whole show in a Ringo Starr voice. I forgot to mention that. Uh, what, what is Ringo? Is that what? Okay, hold on. Um, dude. Okay, I can't. I can't, I can't do it. I I'm sorry. Goodbye. Got so excited for wherever that was going. Oh, well, tonight we have a special guest. We have the Hit Me One More Time sister, Tyler. Hello. Hello. I'm their sister, Dot. <laughs> Tyler, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Oh, yes. I forgot to mention Tyler is of the Discographers podcast. And uh, for people who may not know what that is or what, what your work is, what just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So uh, my buddy Brian and I, we do a music podcast and basically we go through and we pick an artist and we do once a month, we do a big like two hour long essay on on that album and why it's important and the the history behind the album, the the music theory on the album. And we just dive deep into a, a band and go crazy. Very cool. If, if you That's are cool. if you are a music person out there, check it out. Yeah, we we uh, we're sorry. We've done uh, two series so far. We've done Nine Inch Nails from start to finish, and we just finished our Smashing Pumpkins series. So it's uh, kind of timely because the uh, Smashing Pumpkins just announced that they're going to come out with a sequel to uh, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. So if you want to, oh. you want to know all the, you want to know like the backstory on Melancholy, you should check out our episode on Melancholy. That is interesting. I, I a sequel to that album that makes me very interested in it. I mean, it's called the Infinite Sadness, so I mean, it goes on forever. Know, yeah, it goes, yeah. Like, I'm surprised there hasn't been more already, and the reboot. Anyway, uh, <laughs> is there is there anything uh, you know? Just speaking of Smashing Pumpkins, is there anything while while going through all that process that kind of surprised you to learn something you didn't know about them that you thought was really interesting? I mean, that that one was a really fun journey because both um, Brian and I, we were very casual fans of the Pumpkins. Like we knew all the radio singles, you know, it's, oh, that's the, you know, the world is a vampire band. Um, <laughs> just didn't really know anything about the history. It's like, oh, I knew that they broke up for a while and then they kind of got back together. But it um, it was really interesting to go through and, you know, we hit all the big, the big famous 90s stuff uh, with Melancholy and Siamese Dream. And then as we move on to the stuff that was like not as beloved, I guess, you know, as time went on, yeah, uh, we, you know, we found some good and bad things about all those albums. And then it was really interesting to then once we kind of wrapped up, the, we wrapped up our series, the band kind of mostly gets back together at the end. And then I, you know, then going back to a lot of that 90s stuff was like, oh, wow, they're there was something really magical about the the Smashing Pumpkins in the '90s with with Adore with the Siamese Dream and Adore Adore and Melancholy. 
Very cool. Uh, listeners, after you're done with this podcast, go over to Discographer's Podcast and join Tyler on that journey to to see what I think is a pretty cool band from the 90s. I was going to say one of the greatest bands from the 90s, but that's such a high watermark that I don't I don't know if I, I'm, I'm ready to commit to that kind of language. Uh, you know, maybe top 100. There, there we go. Nice and non-committal. Speaking of a band that broke up in the 90s and is reforming now, oh boy, we're going to be talking about our topic, and that is Animaniacs. Now, normally, uh, I want to say this at the top here, normally when the way this show works for your eagle-eared listeners, you know, I we go and find a guest and we ask the guest, hey, what's something you loved when you were younger? And, you know, we'll talk about it all together on the show. This week, we're mixing up a little bit because Animaniacs is coming back to Hulu. And I thought, oh, man, that's timely and SEO relevant. Let me do an episode on Animaniacs. So I put the feelers out there. I threw it out to some people and said, hey, who loves the Animaniacs, has nostalgic love for it, but hasn't seen it in a while? And Tyler responded. So that's why he is here today. But what are the Animaniacs, you're asking? Well, this mid-90s animated show follows the exploits of the Warner Brothers, Yakko and Wacko, and the Warner Sister Dot as they... Well, I'll just I'll let them tell it. Just for fun, we run around the Warner movie lot. They lock us in the tower whenever we get caught. But we break loose and then the moose, and now you know the plot. And that's about it. It's a 90s variety cartoon show with uh, with those three characters and many others, including, you know, the very famous now Pinky and the Brain. This, though, is the part of the show where we share our personal histories with the subject. Tyler, since you are our guest, since you, you're coming here from the outside, why don't you tell us, when I, when, I, when I put this out there, you jumped on it pretty quickly. So what is your personal history and relationship with the Animaniacs? Yeah. So, I mean, this was a perfect show for me at the time, like, um, you know, not to say my exact age, but as a kid, this was like right when it was coming out. Um, I remember having VHS tapes of the classic Bugs Bunny cartoons and watching them on TV and wearing out those, those tapes for years. And so that was like my primer for the Animaniacs. And it was just a, it was a, you know, uh, Animaniacs, Pinky and the Brain, Freakazoid were all like those, the perfect next step from the original Warner Brothers Bugs Bunny cartoons for me. Um, I didn't always get all of the jokes, but um, it was kind of fun to bond with my dad because he could go, oh, oh no, that's, uh, you know, he would explain like, oh, why Steven Spielberg? It was funny that Steven Spielberg is in this scene because he's, you know, he's a famous director and he doesn't do cartoons normally. Um, so it was just such a fun, uh, influential show. I'm always, I'm constantly saying, um, Traws and Zorts and stuff that like Pinky says, and, uh, you know, you know, like Fabu, um, it's, uh, no one ever understands what I'm saying, but I always drop those in every once in a while. I was very surprised rewatching some of these episodes, some of the stuff that was like, oh yeah, like I used to say that, or I, I picked that up for a while. And this definitely was a show that has all those like sort of fun words to say that worm their way into your uh, uh, lexicon. Now, Nick, what about you? What about you and the Animaniacs? Huh? What's going on there? You, you two ever, you ever gonna, crazy kids ever gonna get together? Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, it's been so long. It's just kind of, you, you know. 
Um, so I actually have a pretty significant history with the Animaniacs. That's all the time I, we have. Was, Thank you so much. No, go on. <laughs> uh, but, well, fine. Besides, I was going to say, besides being the uh, unofficial fourth sibling. Um, no, so, so Animaniacs, where do I even start? Um, so, I mean, other than when I was a kid, and I feel like I've mentioned my age on the show, but now Tyler's making me feel like I'm hitting that <laughs> age where I maybe don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm, I'm 33, okay? There. How about that? I'm, I, I'm 32, so I, I, that means I basically yeah, have youngest one on the show. Or I, I, I can no longer talk about my age. Uh, but, yeah, so when I was a kid as well, um, Animax was the show that my siblings and I, uh, my younger siblings and I watched. Uh, and I enjoyed it a lot. And I, I would say that the, the, one of the more significant things about Animaniacs uh, was that it was the first comic book series. There was a comic book adaptation mm. um, series that I actively collected. Like I definitely, by that point, probably had a spattering of like Superman, Spider-Man, Batman, whatever, like a handful of comics here or there um, that I accrued through various channels. But Animaniacs, I would remember like every weekend we would go to Walmart, I think, when they still had a spinner rack. Or I think they brought them back. So back in the day when they had the original spinner rack, um, like they'd have Animaniacs and Sonic, and my brother would get Sonic, which in hindsight, I, he probably was getting the cooler comic. Uh, but I would get Animaniacs, and I loved them. Um, so I was totally into the whole zany aspect of the show. Um, and then I'll also say, I actually forgot that Pinky and the Brain were skits within Animaniacs. So I think they also got their own show, no? They did, yes. They actually had two yeah. shows. They had their own show and then a spinoff show that they were part of with a character from Tiny Toons. Wow. So they, they got around. But So this is like a kind of a funny story. I don't remember the impetus. Uh, and I guess this doesn't necessarily shine a bright light on me. But I remember in sixth grade, my friend and I um, once went through a period where we would write Pinky and Brain on our... Um, work that we would submit to our teacher and i was pinky and he was brain and now i'm realizing that i got the short end of the stick um but anyway so i would I would pass our homework or our, our our classwork in as pinky and brain and my teacher totally chill about it so uh actually yeah it's kind of nice kind of reflecting this and realizing how much of a, a history I, I have with animax so i was really excited to revisit this awesome yeah Animaniacs, I think, for everybody our age, because I'm also an undisclosed aged over 30, uh, for people our age, this is this is probably a pretty common show that we all watched. And I, I mean, there's so many reasons why, you know, as a, as a kid, it was funny and slapstick, uh, but also had that like verbal humor that when you got it was very funny. Uh, for me, too, you know, I, I watched it a lot growing up, watched it a ton. And then when TV shows started coming out on DVD, you know, when you could buy seasons of stuff, and it was very novel. And they were getting to that point where it's like, oh, okay, we've released all the modern stuff. Will people buy the old stuff? Uh, the answer was yes, because I rushed out when Animaniacs came out on DVD and I bought it and watched, I mean, probably watched the first season uh, way back then. But then it just kind of quietly got put back on the shelf. And I hadn't really, aside from, you know, seeing an occasional joke on Reddit or or something like that, seeing a clip, just really hadn't spent a lot of time with them recently. And I found myself actually getting excited about the Hulu revival. And that's what I was like, oh, yeah, it has been forever since I've watched it. Is it a show that still holds up? Is it a show that can work 
today in the modern context? And uh, those are questions we're going to be answering at the end of the show after we spend a bit of time discussing it. But before we get to that, Nick, can you tell us the world's history with Animaniacs? I suppose I could. Um, After the success of Tiny Toons, executive producer Steven Spielberg asked Tom Ruger and his team to develop another show. Spielberg had an idea for a spinoff show of the Tiny Toons character Plucky Duck, while Ruger had been developing a show called Animaniacs about three ducks based on his sons. Between Donald Duck, DuckTales, Darkwing Duck, and Daffy Duck, they felt there were enough ducks duck cartoons out there and instead changed the ducks of animaniacs into three anthropomorphized animals in the style of 1930s cartoons and got permission from the warner estate to use the name according to the show bible the species of the sibling is cartoonus characterus and there were originally four siblings that one of them of which was me uh, but they were refined down to three during production the show originally aired on the Fox Kids block of programming from 93 to 95 before moving to Kids WB for the rest of its run to 1998. After the show ended, the characters of Pinky and the Brain were spun off into their own show. Since 2016, Rob Paulson, Jess uh, Harnell, and Tess McNeil, the voices of Yakko, Wacko, and Dot, have toured as Animaniacs Live, where they perform songs from the show. A revival of the series is set for release on Hulu on November 20, 2020. Yes, that's just a few days from now on episode release, and I'm sure, listener, if you're listening to this, you're probably excited about it like we are. But should you be? Great question. Now, uh, we'll put the episodes that we watched in the show notes and, and put those on Twitter as well. So if you want to see which ones we watched, but this isn't really necessarily a plot-heavy show uh, each episode. Now, in my head, like I would have thought each episode was like, oh, three or four short cartoons, but really it's like two, three at the most, and you have like some interstitials kind of throughout. Uh, obviously, we're going to be talking a lot about the, the the three themselves, but real quick, I'm curious what everybody's favorite side character recurring bit was. Uh, Tyler, since since you're the guest here, what what which one did you always love as a kid? Okay, so one time Randy Beeman's cat uh, ate this fish <laughs> oh from the gosh. fish tank, and the fish it was a piranha, and it lived inside the cat forever, and the cat became piranha cat. Okay, bye. Oh <laughs> gosh, which one was that? Uh, so it's uh, I actually had to look up the kid's name because I don't know if they ever say it in the episodes, but it, uh, his name is Colin. He's this little kid who runs out and just does this random sentence or tells you a random story, and then just okay, bye, and runs back inside the house. Like, I don't know why, but that every, every time that came on, it just, it held my, it captivated me as a child, and it made me laugh every time. And it was always Randy Beeman. Like, Randy Beeman was always the yeah. the one that he was the, telling the... stories about. I forgot about him, like, until, but as soon as you started talking, it's like, just like, the images of it flooded back into my mind. <laughs> oh, wow. There and there was a couple too, like in the episodes we watched. Um, there was uh, Kitty Kaboom. Yeah, I, I had completely forgotten about her, but then the theme song started playing, and like I knew the words. It's random. Um, uh, one other one is it's the I'm blanking now on. He wasn't. I don't think he was in any of the episodes we watched, but it was the the chicken who's a man. Chicken Boo. Uh, yeah, Chicken Boo. That's it. Um, that that one was another great one. Chicken. The chicken. absurdity of it. Yeah. Chicken Boo was in one episode we watched. He was the pizza delivery guy 
Yeah, he uh, was. It was a cameo, and that made me go, "Oh yeah, yeah, there he is." And I loved Chicken Boo. Like that would probably be my favorite if I think if I were to think about it now. I don't know why, but just I love. It. I think it kind of goes to like why I love Coneheads, which we talked about on this show as well, where it's like everybody around them is like. Oh, you know, it's a man. It's it's obviously a person. Everything he does is very unperson like, but everybody just kind of gives it a pass, except for like the one person who's like, he's a giant chicken. And I don't I don't care if it's the same joke every time. I thought it was funny. And of course, Pinky and the Brain. Pinky and the Brain are always great. Pinky and the Brain. Yeah, I mean, Pinky and the Brain are what it was one skit that it was very memorable to me. Um, apparently, I saw a lot of myself in Pinky. Oh, um but um i think uh for me uh, i always like especially rewatching these episodes i really liked any time the warner siblings showed up um and i don't know that especially now like the show is a lot more adult and i think this is a common refrain that you hear a lot about from shows at least from the 90s um you know that there was just so much material in there that an adult would appreciate that it would go over a kid's head and i feel like the the warner siblings were always breaking the fourth wall in a way to to let you know that they were like implying way more than they were letting on and i just i always enjoyed that of of course and i want to talk about some of that more mature humor including sort of the infamous joke that uh that gets passed around uh which was an episode that that we saw but i before we move on to them, I have to mention that this show features a uh, a long and reoccurring Goodfellas segment. The Goodfellas is based on the Goodfellas and other in other mob movies. Something I never got as a kid, but I'm watching it now, and I, like now I've seen Goodfellas, and I'm like, this is pitch perfect. <laughs> this was a. It's not pitch perfect. It's Goodfellas. Oh boy. Okay, I'll leave. I'll leave. I'm gonna go. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh was that was that something that like I mean, were either of you as kids aware of Goodfellas enough to get that joke? No. No. Um for me, like my my dad had to explain it and he's like, Well, okay, so one of the guys, you know, they're mobster guys, um, and 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 I recognized uh the Joe Pesci bird, you know, esque yeah. bird. And it's like, oh well, he's the home alone. There's that's the one from Home Alone, and but the like the Ray Liotta, uh, like I have no idea who Ray Liotta is. Like, why would I? Why would I know that as a kid? Um, I mean, when I was a kid, the Good Feathers sketches were always my least favorite because it's like I don't. They're, I mean, I guess it's funny that they're birds and they're, they're you know trying to get the bagel or something. But like, I didn't understand the. I didn't understand the references at all. Yeah, it's just so funny to me that. Like, like you said, like, okay, yeah, we can recognize Joe Pesci, but I love the idea of your dad trying to explain Ray Liotta to you. And this is like <laughs> a pre-internet era. What's he going to yeah. do? Drive you to, to Blockbuster and point at the cover of, of Goodfellas? Like, you know, Ray Liotta. In, in, the, in, the, in the 90s, you know, we like our parents would sit us down and have conversations about like, you know, this is where babies come from and this is the bird and the bees. And also... This Ray is Ray Liotta. <laughs> Kids. Well, they, I mean, he was a bird. I mean, in the good, good feathers. That's true. You kind of, yeah. <laughs> parents, 
talk to your kids about Ray Liotta before somebody else does. That's the, the moral of the story. Don't look Ray Liotta up online. Like there's just, you know, it's, it's, it's scary and it's, it's a deep hole to fall into. You're going to, you're going to have a lot of questions and that's normal. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, oh gosh. <laughs> Uh, there's going to be a pamphlet in like the school nurse's office, you know, that's just like, uh, what to do about Ray Liotta. <laughs> I, I love it. This could, this could be the whole episode. Or it's, or it's, uh, it's, you know, it's you and you and Ray Liotta. And it's this Ray Liotta, like with his hand uncomfortably on a, on a child's shoulder. <laughs> yep. This is the episode. Now we're just doing. <laughs> this, this is your body, this... not Ray Liotta's. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Okay. Uh, so I'll say <laughs> I have like 50 more in my brain that are trying to work their way out. Um, I'll say that I, I, I do, I did like, I, I don't, I'm trying to think back. Uh, Cause in a lot of ways, like I, I really didn't remember a ton about the different skits in Animaniacs. Like I said before, like I, I thought Pinky and Brain was its own thing, which it was, but I didn't realize, I didn't remember that it came from Animaniacs, which I'm sure I knew at the time that I was watching it decades ago. Um, but I vaguely can remember liking the good feather stuff, even though I had no idea about the right. I think I just like the, like the, the God pigeon, you know, was, oh, 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 <laughs> yeah. thing. like I just, I just, I just thought that was funny. Um, so, so those resonated with me for some reason, probably cause I have a background in the mob, but, um, but. Oh, so Ray Liotta got to you young. <laughs> no, no one ever sat me down and talked to me about Ray Liotta. <laughs> God, that's so stupid. <laughs> I really hope this is funny to everybody else, or as funny to <laughs> us. Yeah, so many people were like, oh, God, they just talked about Ray Liotta for 20 minutes, and I just turned it off. Let's, David's going to have to edit out some of the chuckling. Let's No, nah, I'm leaving that all in. Let's talk about the, the Warner siblings uh, themselves, because... Normally, like in a show like this, it feels kind of like, oh, you know, the Warner siblings, that's fine. But you're just watching until the, you know, the pinky and the brain stuff starts. Uh, but really, they are very strong characters. Just like the, the in a large part of that is the, the voice acting, like the three voice actors behind them are just so iconic. And their voices, I think, are very iconic, even with like Rob Paulson, who can do 10 million voices. There's just something he he injects into the Yakko voice, uh, and there's like interesting stories about how hard Wacko was to to cast because everybody was going like a little bit too wacky with it, and they just really liked his like Ringo Starr. Uh, also, look up the guy that voices Wacko; it will surprise you. He does not look at all like you would think he would. I mean, I thought he would look like Wacko. No, he looks like he'd be in like an in an eighties hair metal band. Jess Harnett. Oh yeah, he does. Is, he looks almost like someone from Wayne's World, at least from the little picture that I'm seeing. I mean that that feels accurate. But... Okay, while you're while you're looking up Jess Harnell, um, <laughs> if you can try to find his band, it's probably on YouTube. Um, Rock Sugar. It's a mashup band of um, they basically take uh, one heavy metal song and one pop song and mash them together. So, um, like, don't stop the Sandman. It's a don't stop believing plus the Inter Sandman. Um, all of the all the tracks are great. Ah, that's that's amazing. I'm definitely and, yeah, and he's that. and he's the singer. Yeah, of uh, of course he is. And I'm looking at like a picture of the band right now. 
And again, you would not like look at that guy and be like, oh, that's the voice of Wacko. You would think, yeah, that's a guy that would be in a band called Rock Sugar. <laughs> Just that giant curly head of hair of his. Uh, the writing in the show, obviously great, but they slipped in so many jokes that I never would have gotten as a kid. And I found myself laughing at a lot of stuff in this in this one. Um, of course, obviously the fingerprints joke. I found prints! No, no, no. Fingerprints. I don't think so. How did that get past the censors is my question. <laughs> or like the whole, there was a Good Feathers skit where the the female pigeons are like declaring that they want to have babies and get married and all that stuff. And there's a lot of like innuendos and stuff in that one that, you know, I don't think I would have gotten as a kid. Well, that's the, also... Uh... Yakko and Wacko are uh, kids. Look, obviously, uh, you're too busy Googling Ray Liotta at this point to be listening, so don't listen to this part. Uh, Yakko and Wacko are so horny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, and, the hell on earth stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and Dot is always like, uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It was just such a, it was so interesting looking as an adult. Like, oh, wow, they were really into the nurse. Like, I remember <laughs> they're into the nurse, but they're really into the nurse. Yeah. Right. And I think Dot even had a, a an infatuation with some in the in the jewel or the diamond heist uh, mystery ep, uh, skit. They because this at least I mean maybe the nurse appeared in a previous episode, but from the ones we watched, like they see that the nurse comes out of the room and Yakko and Wacko go crazy, and then yeah, Dot's doing the whole Meh, whatever, but then someone else shows up, and now I can't remember who it was. So she says, uh, and it, she, she goes, yeah, she says a great line that I love, which is it's it's hard being the strong one. Yes. Oh, yeah. And then and then like a, an attractive, you know, lifeguard type walks up and she just starts going crazy as they did. <laughs> uh, because it's he's a hunky hunky lifeguard man. Not as hunky as Steven Siegel. Was Steven Se- what? Steven Siegel. In one of the the good good feather skits the the mother of uh, is it the Ray Liotta pigeon? I can't remember the names. Um, it, the mother, his, his mother is getting married and she's getting married to a younger, uh, a seagull named Steven Siegel. <laughs> That's so stupid. Yeah. And then the, and the, the guy's like, hey, you know, like, I really want you to look at me like a dad. And like, they, 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 they take the, he takes the three pigeons around and, you know, all this, you know, crap starts going on. And it, it was, I thought it was funny. No, that I mean that is funny. It's just I love Steven Siegel. It's yeah. so good. With that, with like not just the the good feathers and the Steven Siegel, like there's so many references. Uh one I picked specifically because our first episode was about Power Rangers and there is mm-hmm. a a whole one where they're making fun of Power Rangers. I thought it was, was great. it was very delightful. Uh also <laughs> at, at just a the great point where anytime anybody complimented Yakko, he was like, "Here, have a bag of money." Bill, it's people like you working behind the scenes that almost won us an Emmy. Here, have a bag of money. <laughs> we very nearly won that Emmy. <laughs> have a bag of <laughs> money. And then he gives the kid like a Greek yogurt or the other kid a Greek yogurt or something. Yeah. The, there's one that I almost had us watch, um, but I didn't put it on the list. But they they at one point do a, an extended friends like they go and visit the friends from Friends, and <laughs> this is one of the few very distinct memories I have 
is that they talk about uh, Monica's compulsive eating. And I think like Wacko starts like by the end, she is uh, she is like big Monica again, because like Wacko gets her like starting to eat again. It's like very specific friends jokes that as a kid would not have ever tracked with me or many of the jokes, really. <laughs> what which of the oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Ask your question. I was just going to ask, which of the... One thing oh, I wish that we had seen, too, was Dot's Poetry Corner. Does anyone remember Dot's oh, Poetry? Oh, yeah. yeah. That was, that was uh, really good. Yeah. Oh, Dot's Poetry Corner. Those were so great. Nick, you were going to say something? Uh, I, I didn't have a thought fully formed. as, as like the, the weird audible sound came out of my, my mouth. So, uh, yeah. Um, but I did... So, I guess I'll carry on, though. Like, there was the, like the Batman and Robin cameo was really funny. Um, I guess just when basically that this show was an an advertisement for Warner Brothers in general because they could just deep dive into anything that was owned by their properties and even then like I, I don't think Power Rangers is owned by Warner Brothers so obviously they'd even go out of you know out of the catalog so to speak um, to to find stuff but it is just I, and a lot of stuff I just didn't remember like I'm pretty sure I saw the majority of these episodes and I did not remember that like Batman the Batmobile basically just shows up and they hop in oh, one thing I really like they, they do this whole disaster piece theater which again they're doing a whole masterpiece theater parody because yeah that's what kids love masterpiece yeah. theater <laughs> uh, and one of them is is Yakko doing Shakespeare and they have Dot doing the translation and really like it's actually a pretty accurately good translation of Shakespeare into modern speak. That you have but slumbered here while these visions did appear. You fell asleep on your butt and dreamed the whole thing. That's true. The, the, the show's smart. Like, yep. uh, I mean, I, I, I'm sure I didn't appreciate as a kid, like, how smart it was, just that I, I did think it was clever and funny from a kid's perspective. But, like, revisiting it now, the, the scripts are incredible. And the, and the voice acting you know, delivers it, you know, the, the, everything just works together really well. So obviously at the end of the show, I'm going to say it's not worth revisiting, but <sighs> while I'm complimenting it, you know, everything, everything worked really, really well together. And I mean, they pumped out, it was like, what, like 30 episodes a season. So they were working pretty hard. Yeah, they were. I was actually just reading something about that where they had um, a few recurring bits they would do, like when they returned to the, the, the tower or when they do the the wheel of morality they would do those yeah we're going to close the episode with the wheel of morality obviously uh but they would do those because they could reuse animation and that would save them time oh nice nice yeah i mean that's one thing i was impressed by too is like it was not there was nothing cheap about this show and that's probably like because spielberg was attached to it in some way like the animation still just is very crisp and, and looks really good. Tyler, I'd be curious if there's anything that really stood out to you in watching some episodes now that either like su- surprised you or, you know, went way over your head as a kid. Uh, well, definitely the animation uh, quality. I did notice that as like kind of, kind of looking for that kind of stuff of like, you know, how, how cheap did, how, how, how does it stand up nowadays uh, versus my memories as a kid? But um I don't. I mean, there, there's there's a lot of cool stuff where you get you, you learn a lot. Like um, we spent a lot of time in the Sistine Chapel with Michelangelo. Oh, yeah. um, uh, there's the Yakko's world uh, where he names all of the the countries and uh, the when he does all the states and their capitals. Like 
they're they throw it may not be 100 percent accurate depictions of michelangelo and the sistine chapel but at least you they throw out all these history things at, at you so you, you know maybe you could even if you're a kid nowadays you could go and google stuff like hey what does this mean um who's ray Liotta? um you know but don't, don't there, google uh, it. i mean we we spend a whole episode with uh abraham lincoln um later on you know it's there's a lot of like backdoor learning that you do <laughs> I know. if you how, watch this how dare they do that to us uh, i think there was a, an episode or a one two where thomas jefferson's like writing the declaration of independence and the character is the flame on his candle like for some reason i'm remembering yeah that very yeah i remember that and also they did have a president's song which helped me pass a test in high school thank you animaniacs yeah you got me a, a college a high school education do y'all remember a show called hysteria yes that i think came out around the same time yep that was a a, a follow-up to another amblin uh, animated show follow-up to animaniacs yeah, it, uh, I, I'm trying to think. I, I always think back to these shows because I, I was thinking with the um, in the first. This is actually now it's not related to hysteria. Just that it was a show that told sort of goofy representations of historical events. And in the first episode that we revisited of Animaniacs, they they meet with Michelangelo. And uh, I mean, to be fair, I don't necessarily have a great memory or picture of how the real Michelangelo actually was, but it was just they are presenting some of these moments in histories and you know hopefully the kids that are watching this have a, a robust public school system because they might have some takeaways that are by and large very unrealistic um yeah, all right are you saying that uh michelangelo does not uh did not wear a very short toga everywhere that he went and uh oh what that no that voice sounds very much like um like a character that I can't I can't think or it might even be an actor who is known uh boy this is really great um the the genie does a parody of him in Aladdin you know who I'm talking about mm. you don't know uh, yeah I'm I'm blanking on what the what the uh I'm blanking on what the reference is supposed to be too well but it's something you're I right it, it is distinct it's distinct it's, um, but that that was and that again that episode of like the Sistine Chapel. How many of us as kids knew what the Sistine Chapel was, and uh, and then also like the stuff they paint on the ceiling. One of them is a painting of Elvis. Like, <laughs> was it like two Elvis for you? Uh, no, he he's like oh he prefers the prefers young Elvis. I think is what. Oh oh yeah 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 that's right that's right. Um oh yeah that was good um what was i think oh and and some of the the visual gags i thought were were really whether they were funny or not i i just was impressed like i i think it was in the um the diamond heist or diamond mister whatever you want to call it um skit where um i can't remember what yakko says to wacko but he says something along the lines of like clean clean the room or or get rid of the evidence or something like that and wacko just pulls the entire room like the, the animation of the room into a bag and you're left with like white space or whatever like i i thought that was really cool yeah there's some really clever animated like bits that and that they just I, i'm amazed because we watched uh the last unicorn a few episodes ago and i know it's an 80s movie but still like that's movie quality animation uh does not look did not look as good as animaniacs just a few years later i think it's just impressive stuff. And I, 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 I don't think it, it would be fair of me to make a statement like 
the effort they or the money or resources that they put into animation today for like you know for like a kids tv show um is isn't as robust as say animaniacs was um to be fair i, I haven't uh, uh, uh checked out a lot of the animation today so i i can't really make that statement but it does feel like um I don't know. I, the way I'm thinking is like say anime. Uh, I feel like a lot of the anime I watch as a kid. Maybe this maybe this is my kid brain telling me, but I feel like they. I'm maybe I'm thinking of something like Cowboy Bebop, right? Like the animation uh, product, the production quality. That's what I'm trying to say was really really high. And then I feel like I've seen some more recent stuff where like the where they cut corners was a lot more obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not to say that there weren't animated shows back in the day in the 80s and 90s that where they didn't cut corners. I think a lot of like the Hanna Barbera cartoons were a lot of corner cutting um but yeah that just it, i was surprised in short uh by the overall quality of the animaniacs animation it's good stuff man was there anything that didn't stand up uh that, that the three of us can think of uh was there you know yeah just just anything that watching it now because for me i'll say there are times, um, and not in, in every episode, but certainly like in the first one we watched, which was like the Michelangelo episode, it was just, uh, which also had a Ninja Turtles parody that I found amusing. Uh, oh, yeah. It was nonstop. It like just never, never stopped. And for some reason, it was kind of exhausting to me. <laughs> Weirdly, now was like a 31-year-old. Uh, there were other, oh no, I revealed my age. Uh, there were other episodes later in some of the the skits as well like that that had a little bit of a slower pace but at first i was like oh geez am i am i just like getting old like am i getting exhausted by a cartoon Uh, but was there was there anything to the two of you that maybe like stood out or that that wasn't maybe as as good as you remembered it to be Mm. uh for me any anything it would be the just maybe some of the references being uh you know 20 plus years old um i know that uh uh slappy squirrels supposed to be referencing a bunch of actor act, actors and stuff that she's worked with in the years and years ago so it's already dating it but like she'd name a name and i'd be like wait who who is that and mm-hmm. um i'm sure my dad would know who it is maybe i'll just call my dad up and have him talk me through it um dad but, ray liotta one more time yeah um but there's a few you know a few other ones um you know I know, I know, you know, from growing up who uh, Jerry Lewis is, but Jerry Lewis pops up in a lot of the episodes or at least references to Jerry Lewis. But if I showed it to my nine-year-old, he wouldn't know who Jerry Lewis is. He would just think it's a silly voice. That's, but then again, as we, as kids, did we know who Jerry Lewis was? Would we have just thought that was a silly voice back then? Does that, does the humor in its own way, like make it timeless, even if these are references to... To other things yeah that's true um i mean and there was another one it was a bob hope uh they never said him by name but um i was like oh yeah i'm pretty sure that's supposed to be bob hope that's um, who that was supposed to be he's on thank the, you um because he's on the golf course and you know uh but but that's just because i'm i'm old and um i you know i'm an adult and i would i'd remember that from when i was a kid going wait who is that guy um but yeah, I think modern kids might have some trouble with some of the references of just like who who is that supposed to be? And then they but the show's so fast paced, then they move on to the next thing, and you 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 don't have a chance to 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 check it out. Yeah, which definitely makes me curious how the new Animaniacs is going to play 
uh, as far as the the references it's going to make for because presumably like it's I'm sure they're hoping that people in our generation are going to check it out, but at the end of the day, like it's still a kid's demographic show and they need to appeal to the the broader audience that's going to watch it, which is going to be kids. So, right. I mean, now it's going to be like a Fortnite parody or something. There, there are a lot of, in the trailers, like a lot of winks and nods to uh, them being very aware of the fact that they're returning after all this time. And one, one thing I'll say I noticed in the trailer as well is like, the 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 characters sound a little bit older than they used to, uh, which is just something that happens, you know, with with time. Uh, but the like the opening, the first trailer when they revealed it, when they did like the date reveal, was a Jurassic Park parody, and it's very good Jurassic Park parody. Don't get me wrong, but that was contemporary with Animaniacs back then. So I I have this feeling that like this new series is aimed at people our age who now have kids and are like, okay, we're going to put it on for you so you can laugh at, at slappy squirrel, uh, stuffing a man into a, into a walnut shell. But there's so much of the writing and so many of the jokes are going to be for you, the parents or adults who have fond memories and are watching it now to, to still laugh at as well, which is largely what it was like back then. Do you think though I mean, I guess I I would have to go back and watch this trailer again. My my worry of it is that they're gonna like, oh, it's all '90s references again. Like, it's not gonna feel contemporary in that way. It's like, oh, we're making it so much for you, thirty year olds, that we're just making references back to the stuff that we already made jokes about back then. Yeah, I mean, I would hope that they would do what they did with the original run was one foot in the in the world of children and one foot in the world of you know here's references that adults mm-hmm. would get and just hopefully that that they'll have advanced with the times so and now at me as an adult i can so half the jokes will be for me and then my kids will be able to laugh at the slapstick humor of it and we'll both we'll be able to both enjoy it together um, as a family and the cycle will continue and to keep going yeah I oh man, and I would love to to know Tyler. Like, let me know the first time that you are, you know, your your kids watching it, and there's a joke that you laugh at that they look at you like, what was that? And you're like, uh, let me tell you about Ray Liotta, or you know, the equivalent of of what it would be like, where you have to like suddenly explain a joke and you realize you're your own father because that's that's what happens to us all. Yeah, I'll make sure and do that. I'll, I'll try to film it or something. Okay, thanks. Just filming your kid every time they watch Animaniacs. Like, come on, come on, ask ah, me about nope, it. Come dang on, it, you didn't laugh. Okay, that wasn't funny. Okay. Maybe I should just enjoy the show. <laughs> yeah. Does it count if you don't catalog it? There's my tweet about it. You can live tweet the Animaniacs rewatch or new in it. Yeah. Yeah. Is there... Uh, what was... oh. Oh no! I was trying to. I'm sorry. Oh, oh! Uh, in one of the pigeon, uh, good feathers segments, there's a whole. Was it the same one as the them the the female pigeons wanting to get married? But there was a whole thing about a statue. Um, and I uh, can't remember. Scorsese. Who, Scorsese. Uh, yeah. And uh, the show was very anti-Regis Philbin um, of the time, because uh, the, the statue ends up getting replaced at the end by a Regis Philbin statue, and the pigeons are like ripped about it yeah like that that one is a great example of um like i knew who uh, my dad had to, had to explain scorsese but i know i knew who uh regis philbin was but i know that if i put my kids in front of that 
they'll just be like, I don't know who either of those guys are. Like, is, right. is that supposed to be funny? Yeah, I, I guess that's the that's why you have to go with like pop culture references because there is stuff too that maybe kids, yeah, kids don't know Regis Philbin in his career, but they've seen Regis Philbin on TV. Oh, now I'm just like, I'm so curious to know like what things kids are going to see that had that had that same sort of thing because there would be times, yeah, where we'd like we'd get at the joke of you know like I I knew who the friends were but I didn't know friends at the time. Uh, they really were like friends, weren't they? It it will be it will be interesting. I wonder then will there be a, a reboot uh, twenty years from now where where our kids Nick where your fictional child will uh, be watching the show again and being like oh I they're, didn't get that yeah they're doing well thanks for asking um uh, yeah I mean it just seems like every generation needs an animaniacs now you know you know uh, like that. yeah the. It's all cyclical. There's the 90s. I mean, you know, Fuller House is really the reason all of this is happening. I heard that Tiny Toons is getting rebooted today. That's surprised. Hmm. I mean, it's so it, it maybe it's hard to think about now because we just live in an age of recycled content. And honestly, that some of the recycled content is bad, just that it happens a lot. But it's also that, and I think you see this in comics a lot, where, um, the what am i trying to say oh, crap, why did my brain have to go out now start saying something else i can't remember what i was going to say well i was i was just gonna i was gonna ask if there's as we're kind of getting ready to wind down our conversation here is there any other points anything else that anybody wanted to to bring up that we haven't talked about yet um i'm just really waiting for and i'm holding my breath for the freakazoid uh, reboot uh, that one was my favorite and uh, that's the one i want back Mr. Spielberg. It's it's a little bit odd there hasn't been anything, right? Because it, it's been an underground hit. It's it's built up an audience. I would say the I mean, sure, there are probably more people who watched Animaniacs than watched Freakazoid, but I feel like the people who still uh talk about Animaniacs, hi, how you doing, uh, probably <laughs> all really enjoyed Freakazoid. Like the people they're making that for probably also would have enjoyed Freakazoid. Where is it? Oh my gosh. Freakazoid. Forgot about Freakazoid. Freakazoid. Okay, this is was voiced by somebody named Paul Rugg. That's R U G G, which you cannot tell I... me that is not Paul Rudd's alter ego. <laughs> well, he is this. I think he's the same age as Paul Rudd. Uh, he's sixty. Oh my gosh! It's all coming together now. Maybe they're. Maybe they live with themselves. Maybe they split off from from that, one another. No one got the reference. Okay. Oh, um, I, I haven't, I haven't watched that. Was, yet. You know, it's actually it was, it wasn't that bad, but not not on point. Um, yeah, the I don't know. The, the, the thing with this kids, I kind of agree with what you were saying as far as like you get kind of exhausted now because the 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 gags just keep on coming. Because I was definitely watching it, and it's not that I wasn't enjoying it, but I did feel sometimes like my eyes would kind of glaze over because it was just so rapid that. I was like, my brain was processing it and I was like appreciating what I was hearing, but I wasn't necessarily always like laughing out loud response. Mm -hmm. But I did find myself laughing out loud several times in, in ways I didn't expect. Right. Like I think I mean, sometimes it was just like the dumbest lines, like when the, uh, I can't remember which pigeon said it, but he was like, bada bing, he grabbed a bun. And for some reason I thought that was hilarious, whereas probably was not the funniest part of the skit. 
in the opening credits, there's something that I laughed at that I never got before. Well, there were two, because in a later season, they add, we pay a ton of income tax. And mm-hmm. uh, just like the look on their face uh, was, was very funny. But also they say, we have pay-for-play contracts. That is so something that, like, like what? Like, never, never as a kid would you have been able to explain what a pay-for-play contract was. And now it amuses me. So as we're wrapping up here, I don't want to ask necessarily, I think because we all agree, right? This We had a good time watching it. The show, in terms of animation and quality and, and jokes, holds up. Are we all in agreement there? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, so yeah, there's the answer there. So the question I want to ask more is with this new season coming out just a few days from now on Hulu, do you think the format of Animaniacs is something that can work today? Is the new series going to be able to replicate, not replicate, but is it going to, to have the same magic or are they beating a dead horse? And Tyler, I'll turn that question to you first. Um, I think that there's a lot of room for uh, this kind of, this kind of a show. Um, I'm, and I'm hoping, you know, hopefully I'm not just saying that because I was a big fan of the original but um, I, I, yeah, I think it, I think it can work. It has the potential to work. Um, I, I have to look and uh, I don't know if they've talked about like how many writers are coming back because that's going to be a, a big part of the show. Um, obviously, you need the voices, mm-hmm. um, but you know, if you can get a lot of the same writers or um, writers who maybe were inspired by the original show, um, that would be probably really important to try to track down. And obviously, uh, Spielberg is still attached, so you know he can. Um, whatever whatever guiding he was doing from the producer uh, slot, uh, hopefully he can still do and maybe drop a lot of money. But uh, yeah, it, I, I, I'm, I'm very I'm excited and hopeful that this will live up to the canon of, of the Animaniacs. What, because they, they, they have confirmed, obviously the three main ones are coming back. Um, and they've also confirmed Pinky and the Brain will be back. But I don't know necessarily how much uh, of, of what else is going to be re- returning. What what do you hope for? Do you hope that it is uh, it is Colin Randy Beeman's pal will be back, or or is there like another one that you're really hoping we're gonna see? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to put too many like expectations on it because because um, then I'll be disappointed because um, I've done that in the show and I've done that in the past with other shows like mm-hmm. Picard or something where it's like, oh man, I really hope that this happens, and then I'm waiting the entire run for something that's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of kind of going in. I'm gonna. I think I, there's no way I can go in with low expectations, but I'm gonna go in with without trying to expect a specific thing. And then I'll be surprised when when uh, Colin runs out of the, his out of his por- uh, out of his house and tells me about Randy Beeman. Um, yeah. So that's that's my hope. Yeah, I wonder what Randy Beeman is into in the 21st century. I really I do hope that they they make some new stuff for this new season uh, that they'll have. You know, not just be like, oh, we're just doing good feathers and and slappy and and uh, oh, I can't remember her nephew's name now and all that but i just i hope there is some new stuff anyway nick for you what do you think is animaniacs is this hulu run a mad idea money grab or is animaniacs something that can work in the modern day well i mean everything's a money grab to be fair but i i I do think that animaniacs can can work today as a concept i but i think that they might be do they would do themselves a disservice 
if they only try to sort of relive the glory of the original series. I think that pulp culture wise, especially which the show leans on heavily, like so much has just happened since that original run that like, you know, like kind of like we were talking about before, there were certain references that we just, that even now, even though they were kind of, you know, maybe slightly before of our time feel kind of vague now. So while like, you know, for me, I might not care about say I said it earlier, but like if they if if they happen to do like a Fortnite reference, you know, like that might not resonate with me in the same way will kids of today's generation. But as I said before, like I do hope that there's enough there that us adults or us original uh, Animaniacs lovers can appreciate certain things. But I would rather they not make it for me and and, and really hone in on the current generation's culture. Uh, or you know, like culture within like the last few years that they can they can pull from uh, and 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 stay there without just trying to retread everything that came before. So if that includes new skits or just updating old skits, you know, with with reflecting current events, so to speak. Then then go that route. I think that could work. I think the style of humor though still works. I mean, I, I couldn't think of an example. I was while I was thinking about it, but like anime almost feels like I feel like in the the early mid 2000s or, or mid 2000s to even now like i felt like there was a lot of commentary on kids shows where they just were like crazy like there was it wasn't like a through line like it was just zany stuff happening constantly and it, when i would hear those things i kind of thought like yeah it does feel like you know in my head i was like back when back in my day like kids shows had like a purpose and like they were really clear and straightforward and that i'm which is completely untrue um and especially rewatching animaniacs i'm thinking like this is definitely a precursor to a lot of that sort of um you know uh, adventure time just like stuff is random you know um so yeah i, I think it could totally work today long story short i i agree with the two of you i think that it is a show if they tap into the zeitgeist of today can really be something special. They, they, these are their, their characters outside of time already. Like their, their origin was supposed to be in the 1930s and then they're brought into the modern day. So their references being all over the place kind of made sense. But my fear with the show would be what I've already expressed, which is that they're going to be stuck in the nineties and not have advanced. Uh, But it, it's a show that I think if they do tap into what what made it great, if they do the the references in the way that they did it back then, if they are just wild and crazy and, and zany with with just a, a, a modern touch of topics of today that we're going to laugh at as adults, kids are going to laugh at because something funny happened, and then when they're adults, they're going to be like, oh my gosh, I never got that. I think it, it really is something that could work, and I'm very hopeful that it works. Everything we've seen so far has been very tongue-in-cheek, and that makes me hopeful, but we've seen so many things that uh, they try to to capture the magic of what came before, and it doesn't quite work. So I think I'm with Tyler, where it's I don't want to put too much stock and hope into it, but also at the same time, you can't go in with low expectations. Like, we have, we, we have this love with it. Uh, Tyler, you said there are words from Animaniacs that are are part of your everyday there's song lyrics that are stuck in my head that are are will always be stuck in my head animaniacs is part of who we are because we grew up with it and this new show it's going to be really difficult to separate that no matter what and that's just uh that's the difficulty of of revolving nostalgic properties now 
as we've, just before we do all of our, uh, here's where you can find us. What should we have learned today? Yakko, why don't you let us know? Wheel of morality, turn, turn, turn. Tell us the lesson that we should learn. Moral number four. And the moral of today's story is... Never ask what hot dogs are made of. As we're heading out here, we want to know where people can find us, where we can be found. Tyler, thank you so much for being on the show today. Well, thank you for having me. I hope to, hopefully you can have me back on soon. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it sounds like you might be primed for a, a Freakazoid episode. So we'll... Yeah. Yeah, let's let's put it on the calendar right now. Uh, can I can, can you get can I get you to commit to a date right now? here's a bag of money. What? Here's a bag of money. Thanks. Uh, Tyler, if in the meantime, before we have you back on for Freakazoids, where can people find you and your work? Yeah, if you want to check out my the the other shows I do, um, I I'm on the Discographers. Um, it's a made up word, so don't feel bad about not knowing how to spell it. Um, if you just go Discographers um, or DiscogPod.com, that's our site. And check the show notes, people. I'll I'll put it in there as well, and there'll be a link to the the Twitter probably, so people can find you. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome, Nick. Thank you for being on the show. Where am I? Where can people find you? Uh, they they can find me on Twitter at Nick Shermooksness, S-E-R-M-U-K-S-N-I-S. Um, and yeah, you can find me there or inside the giant water uh, tower on the WB lot with my siblings. God, I wanted to be in there so bad as a kid. <laughs> what do you what do you think like, is inside? Oh my water, God. probably limitless potential. Oh, I mean, there was water in it, like the water would come out every time they opened it. So clearly it was a front for probably the pigeon mob or something. Well, no, it was it was Ah. it was their containment unit. That was like that was the purpose in the show. Well, they didn't secure it very well. That poor security guard. I mean, we we didn't watch the first episode, but there is a plot there where they escape. (laughs) And if people want to find me, they can find me on twitter at devluz that is d-a-v-l-u-z you can find out what i am up to there and uh of course people can also go to philrude.com because we're not going to get through an episode without me mentioning him check out phil's art he's a great guy and that's going to do it for us today thank you so much listening audience for being here we do this show because of you we do this show for you remember you can't move forward if you're always looking back we'll see you next time hey!